0: Hey guys, welcome to The Mortgage Man Podcast. I'm Aaron, aka The Mortgage Man, and this podcast is brought to you by Tanta Financial Advisors, where we're going to discuss how to do mortgages, KiwiSaver, and personal insurance better. We're going to have lots of guests, lots of information, and lots of helpful tips so that you can speed up the process. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome to, I don't even know what episode we're up to, 30, maybe 40, of the mortgage man podcast brought to you by to financial advisors i'm aaron chris is here as well hey chris hey Aaron. how's it going how are you going today aaron i'm good mate nothing's changed since the last 10 minutes we spoke <laughs> um
1: no i'm good so it's what are we talking about illusion that we're doing it one at a time there eh? <laughs> yeah i saw actually
0: i saw that what was the christopher luxon thing where he was like i'm in taranaki but he was actually in hawaii something like that that's, that's kind of what we're he was doing visiting now. to Puki. yeah um i mean to be fair guys i'm in bali i'm not going to say that i'm in new zealand um but that's all good i'll be back soon and i'm still working from here
1: most of the time um he's working so we're... <laughs> bloody hard for someone on holiday that's for sure
0: <laughs> not on holiday mate i'm pretending that i live here i literally have like working a holiday. i have my routine i yeah it's a good routine um yeah, and this, pod, this podcast kind of ruined it for the day but that's alright um, so we are talking about property and mortgage jargon or vocabulary I can't even pronounce it myself <laughs> um, stick to vocab for Aaron vocab yeah <laughs> that's exactly the, the level that I'm at at the moment so um, yeah obviously when you talk to real estate agents lawyers, mortgage brokers and people that are experienced with uh, property transactions, they use words that you probably might not have heard of or don't fully know what they understand, uh, what they mean pretty much because you know, you're, you're buying a your first home. Why would you know these, these things? So we're going to go through, um, some of them. Obviously if there's ones you don't, we haven't covered, just Mr. we will tell you what they mean. Um, I kind of want to do this like hot seat kind of like five seconds per thing, but I'd, That's probably not really going to do what they,
1: the time justice, I don't think. Um, But let's start with...
0: We'll go rapid fire
1: anyways. Maybe not five seconds, but we'll we'll rattle through them because some of them are a little bit dry. Yeah, I mean, this is, we're going to try and make this as exciting as
0: possible. Um, (laughs) As exciting as reading the dictionary can be. Um, Conditional versus unconditional versus settlement. So obviously when you are buying a house, you need to go through these three stages. So what do they mean?
1: Christopher Brown. So conditional means there's still things you need to do, but typically you have an agreement in place uh, pending on one or two, maybe 10 different things you need to tick off before it goes unconditional, which means... <laughs> oh, is that
0: <this, laughs> for me own. to come in? Oh, yeah,
1: okay. let's, let's roll through them. <laughs> one for one. <laughs>
0: So you put an offer on a house, you say it's conditional of finance. Once that finance clause is satisfied you and there's no other clauses, then you can go unconditional, which is basically you pay a deposit and you now legally are going to be buying that house, which leads to settlement, which can be five days or five months afterwards. And that is when you legally buy the house, get a mortgage, pay the money and can move in. Is that good? Yeah, that was good. I'm just going to add another one there. What's a yep. clause? Okay, you mean like Santa Claus or like a clause in the
1: contract? <laughs> the clause in the contract. What is if <laughs> I say I've got I've got some ten settlement? Um, okay, I've got. I want to put a clause in there. What does that mean? Yeah.
0: I guess it is interchangeable with the word condition. Um, you know, you yep. can you can basically say that you can pretty much put anything in a contract as long as the other party agrees to it, right? So um, if you want to, I don't know, paint, get the person who owns a to, to paint the walls a different color and they agree to it, then that clause or that condition can be in the contract and then they'll do it.
1: Yeah, a clause is basically literally just something that you put in the contract that is dependent on you on on it going unconditional. I mean, yep. like finance is a clause, so it means that I need to get my finance before this goes unconditional. And I buy the house. It can mm. be checking the title, which is the we're going to get into a few more bits of jargon here. But um, it can just be a clause is just a, a thing that you put in there that needs to happen before um, everyone agrees to it being done, dusted, settled. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's already conditions or clauses in the contract that are standard. And then there's the ones that you want to add in or the ones that the seller wants to add in. So, um, you know, there's some pretty standard ones which we're going to go over now, especially if you're buying a new build, a sunset clause. What is that?
1: The last day possible for the building or or the sale and purchase to be finished by. After that date. For new builds, right? Yeah, only for new, to, new builds because it's just like, you've got until this date to finish the project is basically what it says. Mm-hmm. And After um, that date, your contract is no longer valid and you need to get a new one or it just disappears.
0: Yeah. Um, so in that case, if you are a purchaser, so you kind of want to make sure that clause suits you and only you can kind of be the one that... Uses it because otherwise the developer might purposely delay the project so they don't have to settle because maybe they haven't done their numbers correctly or the market's changed and they're not going to make money. So they purposely do it. Obviously, you get your deposit back, but um, yeah. Oh, what does deposit mean?
1: Time in it. Deposit is the money you put down to hold on to the contract. I guess it's just a show of goodwill. You put money in your portion in cash, money, KiwiSaver, you choose the money you put in.
0: Yeah, and it's paid when you go unconditional on your contract, which you now know what that means. Um, okay, I want to talk about escape clauses or
1: AS can escape I just, clause. Can I just jump in there just quickly? Okay. The deposit for um, the bank and the deposit for the purchase are slightly different. It's the same thing, but it's it's kind of handled slightly differently the banks want you to have a 10 to 20% deposit right now, which means you need to put in 10 to 20% of your own cash, your own funds Mm -hmm. and a um, deposit on a, um, for like a house or a new build can often be roughly 5%. And that's just to hold the place or to show that you're serious about buying that thing. So that's not, they're not, the same um, as such. This, the same thing, it's your cash putting down, but they're used in two different ways.
0: Yeah, and that $50,000, let's say, for a million-dollar purchase is a 5% deposit that can go to the seller, and that same $50,000 is going to be contributing to uh-huh. the other deposit for the bank. So you don't have to do yes. the seller and the bank. It's the same money, um,
1: but yeah. People do get yep, confused with this- that quite a lot. Yeah, it's, okay. it's a pain in the ass one.
0: Yeah, escape clause. Um, we see this sometimes, not too often.
1: Yeah, typically when you've got a an, an offer on the property and you're kind of waiting. So let's say you put a 10-day finance clause in there saying I've got 10 days to sort my finance. The person selling the house can turn around and put an escape clause in there, which just means that it, it typically is... Uh, you've, if, if someone else gives me an offer that's better than yours or that's faster than yours, whatever it may be, I can get out of your contract by giving you typically three days notice. And you have to either um, finish, like uh, declare that you're going to purchase it within those three days or you lose it. So it's an escape out of the contract.
0: Yeah, So it protects the seller just in case they get a better offer. Um, That's
1: right,
0: yep. Due diligence, what the heck is that?
1: Due diligence is also called homework. <laughs> um, it means you do your diligence, i.e. you check all of the... So um, Run a term
0: anything. for everything, pretty much. Building report, yeah. p test, solicitor's approval, uh, finance, that kind of stuff. Yep, check just your, means
1: you can do whatever you want to do. Yep. I'm doing um, my homework.
0: Obviously, when people, we talk about finance clauses and it says there's seven working days um, to fulfill this contract. So when does the seven working days start?
1: Typically starts the day after you sign. So if you sign on the Monday, Tuesday is the first day that starts. Um, and you have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, where there'll be four days, and then you've got three days the next week. So if you sign it on the the Monday, it'll finish on the Wednesday. And that's
0: assuming that it's been signed and dated, not just signed, right? Yeah. The date on the the
1: top. Yep. The date on the top is always the one that gets missed. Um, Yeah. But that's when the contract starts. When everyone's signed it and it's dated, that's the date you go from. Okay. Um, When we talk
0: about security... What do we mean? Security is, In a, terms is of, a is that suit is this property suitable security
1: for this loan? Yeah, so it's it's basically what the bank it's literally the bank's security or the bank's kind of um, what they're holding on to for them to give you cash. So they're not just going to give you money for nothing. They're gonna they're going to take something much as yeah, they're gonna take the asset, they're gonna take the, take something in return. And security is what the term we use for the house you're buying. So security just means the house. And if they mm-hmm. say it's an acceptable security or it's not acceptable security, they're just saying the house is acceptable to us or it's not. So security yeah. equals house in a loose term as far as mortgages are concerned.
0: Yeah, and in terms of like, I guess another example, would be like if you're getting a car loan, and it's secured against the car because it's a fancy car. Then the car would be the security. That's correct. Yeah.
1: Whatever the loan is tied to.
0: Yeah. Okay. Basically, what the bank gets if you don't pay your bills. Um, registered. Registered valuation.
1: So, registered valuation means it's done by a valuer who is registered. So it's that a makes sense. Person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not just done by a real estate agent. It's not done by an online house estimation tool. It's done by a professional valuer who is going to put their name to the fact that I say this property is worth this much. Um, Yeah, so a valuer who's registered. Um, Loan
0: to value ratio, also known as LVR. This is something that we probably throw around quite a lot people probably don't know what the heck that means.
1: Yeah, it's in the news. Everyone kind of just assumes what it is. But loan to value just means how much debt or how much of a mortgage you're getting versus the value of the property. So if you have a million dollar property and you have an $800,000 loan, the LVR, the loan to value ratio is 80%. So it's an 80% mortgage LVR. Loan to value.
0: Now you're good at this. You could be like a walking <laughs> dictionary. Um, debt to income or DTI, which
1: has been a news always wanted jobs. to be a, a walking dictionary. <laughs> Love it. Um, DTI, not to be confused with the STI, is your <laughs> debt to income God. ratio, and it's <laughs> the the banking equivalent where they're just like, you just don't earn enough money to to have this much debt. And they often do it when you've got like investors or you're just trying to, you've got lots of um, flatmates or things like that. They're worried that your personal income is not enough to service it. So someone who earns $100,000, they'll typically not let you go above six or seven times in some cases, sometimes it's five, but six times your 100,000 is, they won't give you more than $600,000. That was a really big deal three to six months ago. It's lessening off now, but it could come back.
0: Yeah, and that's that's something that the bank uses to assess your affordability of that mortgage. Another thing that they use is UMI, which is probably something that we don't really talk to about with clients, so quickly cover that one.
1: Yeah, UMI, uncommitted monthly income. Um, Basically, once the bank has seen how much you spend on a weekly basis and how much your mortgage is going to cost, what's left over. And they typically, you know, it's, it's basically like if you're scraping through and you're spending every dollar you earn on this mortgage and on cost of living, they're not going to be comfortable with giving you a loan because if shit happens, remember owning a home is expensive. Um, mm that you can you can afford it and you're not going to be put in hardship from them giving you this loan so uncommitted monthly income how much cash you've got left over after all the bills and food etc is paid and a
0: hypothetical mortgage um last three fixed floating and then the different kinds of offset mortgages or accounts rather
1: yeah, so fixed mortgages, literally just you lock in an interest rate for a set period of time. So they, in New Zealand, go from one year, one year fixed all the way up to five years. And what it means at the end of that, you it comes up for renewal and you choose a new interest rate and you start again. Um, the floating one is literally as it sounds, the the interest rate you pay on the money you owe is floating, which means it can go up and down depending on what's happening in the um, to interest rates. So right now, if you're sitting on floating, your mortgage is going up every month um, as oh, the OCR keeps going up and up and up.
0: Yeah. And this is something we talk about with you when you're actually doing your loan structure. So you don't really have to worry about it until you're pretty much gone unconditional on the property that you're going
1: to buy. Yeah. Cause there's lots of different ways to make use of these things. So like a floating rate's really good because you can, because it's floating, you can pay off as much or as little as you, sorry, as much as extra as you want. So it's a good idea to have one of these, even though you might not be paying the best interest rate. Um, and I'm going to, to into-
0: stop you there. Cause I want to do a separate, podcast episode on offset mortgage revolving credit accounts mainly because they're running out of time I can see the zoom meeting saying we've got less than a minute so next episode is going to be just on offset and revolving credit accounts and I'm so sorry Chris to cut you off um, for those of you guys listening you can email Chris at chris panda.co.nz if you want to make him feel better get <laughs> a <of> spoiler alert <laughs> alright we'll yeah. see you in the next one uh, and adios
1: all right thank you very much everyone your walking dictionary chris out (laughs)